Um, good morning, G- good afternoon, good evening, um, good overnight. Um, I'm Anthony. Did I say that right? I think you got that roughly in the right order. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. Mm, yeah. Anyway, I'm Anthony Price. And I'm JB, live once again uh, from my little shed at the bottom of the garden. British summertime as well. Isn't that exciting? British summertime. And oh my goodness, we've flown into some lovely, lovely weather. Uh, the last couple of days in Ramsgate has been fantastic. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. Did you, I don't know what the forecast is where you are, but where we are, there's snow forecasts in three days. Well, I did say to Christabel when I'd spoken to you about it and you said the snow forecast and she didn't believe me. And I said, darling, it is going to snow. And then she looked at her weather forecast and snow for Ramsgate. And we very, very rarely get snow here. We are the last house, literally, <laughs> uh, before you fall off. Uh, if you go east of in the UK and keep going, keep going, keep, this is the last bit uh, before you go into the sea. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, anyway, how how is how is life as a? I don't know if you've realised, JB. Before <laughs> before I started um, recording, um, I have tricked you. If you look at your name on the panelist view for our system today, oh, uh, yes. I, I have I have changed your name slightly. Um, so ha- have a look in the uh, on screen at the participants thing. Oh my lordy lordy! I am an author. author I am a genius. I'm a lovable lovable rogue. Yeah. You cheeky monkey. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, how how's yes. life been like? Is is your first week as a published author? How, how's it been? What what you know? Is is there adoring flans throwing roses at your front door? I've, I've never been a published author before, so this is new territory. Well, um, so now my shed smells um, of two things. One is alcohol uh, a lot, and the other is a little bowl. Can you see? There's little hyacinths there. Yes, I, th- I think they're hyacinths. Mm. And my wife bought them as a celebratory present oh. uh, for publishing uh, The No Normal Leader, uh, which which came out last Friday. And so I got that and I've got, um, I've still got a few bottles of wine and cans of beer in the, the bin oh, <laughs> next to me. I thought it was like a boxing key, that's for later, is it? Um, so we have been celebrating now for an entire week. Uh, actually, is it a week? Yeah, um, we've ha- we have these little mini book launches, and people come here, and they bring their book. These are these are you know friends from the local area. I think we're allowed to do this. I really don't understand the rules. Well, you're, you're, I've lost you're, you're, the in, you're in the back garden, so you're fine. Yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, we thought it, I don't know where I've been having bubble bubble contact um, with Prosecco, um, which is to me bubble. I've I've got lots of bubbles. Uh, in my shed and I have have done so um, and I think it's legal and uh, so they they take pictures of themselves uh, with the book and all of that is uh, going off on social media including dogs and um, so our dog started the trend by by actually it was really funny she actually started looking at the book and I I think she she may have actually just taken a few notes out of it mm. because she's been a little bit more dynamic ever as a result. Um so yeah it's my shed is smelling like a, a brewery and uh, also like a, a sort of um at a flower shop because this these hyacinths absolutely stink and I keep sneezing and I I'm I'm going to have to do something about it. It is. It, does it remind you of like you know a bookstore in the in the eighties where they used to have smoking and alcohol in there? I'm sure there were some bookshops in London that used to allow you to have alcoholic drinks in there and stuff. No, do or you pubs. know? Yeah, no. Yeah, that it's got. Uh, you've just triggered off a sort of memory, a, a sort of nasal, scenty memory <laughs> of of life in, in nasal recall. <laughs> yeah, uh, of 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 hanging about in some of those places in the old days. Uh, but anyway, enough about me and my flipping book and my shed and everything else. How about you? How are you, Ant? Well, I had my um, first COVID vaccination on oh. month. Ma- well, all the days, it's all gone blurry because in the UK, we've got this Easter weekend thing this weekend. Um, I think and you was, chose to have it in your arm this time. I did for a change. Yes, not in my left testicle like previously. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I had the AstraZeneca. Um, as I sit here now, three, four days later, um, I'm of the belief that there are no clots looming. Um, so life 
seemed good. I felt a bit rubbish for 24 hours. Very, very tired. Arm is still a bit painful. But otherwise, um, I feel immune. Uh, I feel like renewed, rejuvenated. Um, but yeah, so that that that's kind of I get. I hate to say it in the current world, it's kind of been the highlight of the week, really. Um, not much else to report. Um, do you think? Do you think there's an opportunity? And uh, I haven't seen one of these yet, but there's got to be a T-shirt uh, that comes out which says, "I am immune." I like your thinking. Yeah. I am immune. Right, let's, <laughs> immune. Let's, What's let's... immune? I'd love to be immune. And em- <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole new thing. So if you go into a pub and you have your T-shirt, I am immune. Yeah. Hug me. I've been vaccinated. <laughs> I'm immune. Nice. You could imagine. You could imagine a child. Um, you know, mummy and daddy immunes. Yeah. <laughs> like a unicorn, but but not. Uh... I'm immune. Oh, I'm going to write that down. God, sometimes I just surprise myself. He writes a book, things. he builds a shed in lockdown. Yeah. Now he's creating new, new, uh, new dictionary terms. Do you know? I think I'm going. I'm going to get. I'm going to get. I'm going to get one made. I'm going to create a whole thing about munes. <laughs> I'm going to be immune. The the mune normal leader. Um, <laughs> so uh, why are you wearing your glasses? Well, well, a little funny side story. I scared one of my colleagues this morning, and I said, "Why is it there's two sessions running concurrently? We've got um, we run a, a, a live webinar schedule, as JB will be aware of, um, and um, we always try and make sure that there's not too many overlaps in our curriculum because people might want to attend both." Um, so I made the comment to my colleague Joe this morning to say, "Oh, you know, you've got one at." One at nine and one at nine thirty. That means there'll be half an hour of overlap. Anyway, she goes, "Shit! What? Oh my goodness!" Started panicking, and then I went, "Oh no! Sorry, it's it's eight and nine thirty. Sorry, sorry, JJ. Oh, so I, I put my glasses on. But yeah, I find the more tired I am, um, the less I see. Um, so I put these on yeah. to be able to look you adoringly in the eye. Um, it's quite a sexy yeah. look, actually, and it it makes you look. Um, hugely intellectual. Ha! Ironic, really, isn't it? <laughs> um, no, it's a good look. Oh, well, thanks. But did I ever tell you, when I was a small child, about 150 years ago, I used to go up trees all the time. It was no. a thing. Okay. No, I used to go up, I used to scale up these trees, huge, huge, tall trees. And my mother was quite a sort of relaxed parent, uh, unbelievably, because I would go right up these um, trees in in various people's gardens and so on. I was quite a strange child, I think. And um, anyway, um, a friend of hers said, "Are you are you worried about your son going up these trees?" And she said, well, "I hadn't really given it much consideration." Um, and uh, anyway, so she took me to an optician because no child of you know, seven or eight would seriously consider going up trees like I did. And um, <laughs> so there I, I she took me to the optician and found out that I am really, really astigmatic um, and various other bloody things. So without my glasses, I can't really see much. So I didn't know. You're fearless. Uh, I had no idea how fearless I was until I put my specs on and then never climbed up those trees ever again. How funny. I know. Um, so, you know, sometimes I walk around without my glasses on. Yeah, that's when you start climbing up pillars and Yeah, watch posts. me. Yeah. Just, yeah, just just put a lead on me because anything could happen. Now that explains many things, especially when you've had a drink, you take your glasses off. almost from Clark Kent to Superman in one swoop. Uh, well, I have I have spent the night with some very very beautiful people, and then put my glasses on. <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> uh, oh, hello, oh my girl- hello, wives and girlfriends are maybe listening. Um, oh my God, you're not my wife. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I would say don't worry, JB. They can't see, but they can trace you through your authoring. So you know now you're a published oh. author and all. Yes, um, that's true. I better be careful about all these stories, otherwise I could get myself into big trouble. Well, it might give you some more certainly book sales, I suspect, because well, you can then say chapter four. I reference uh, climbing a tree in um, Zimbabwe. Um, 
Anyway, um, so as ever um, with these podcasts, we, we... Oh, yes, we better talk yeah, yeah, about well, something useful. Ironically, we're sat having a chat as if we're not recording, but we, we, have, a, yeah, yes. we have an audience. So um, if you've got yes. any questions for us, um, you can send them in. We have one question submitted this week. It's a bit quiet this week on the questions, actually. So we'll mm-hmm. do the question um, at the end of the podcast. Me and JB, as ever, during the course of the week, spend about 15 seconds preparing for this episode by sharing an article or a thought or two that we tend to stumble across with our extensive work now of course now jb being a published author he brings the academia the theory um study. and i try and practicalize it in the real world based on the people i talk to i guess on a day-to-day basis so that's that um but we did have a couple of things to talk about i remember jb i'm sure i've slept and i was really under the influence of a vaccination um you brought a theme to the table because i'm pretty sure you sent me a link or something earlier in the week didn't you or do you want to do my one first i did send you a link and um, it, it was really, it was more just some thoughts uh, around the importance, uh, the, the emphasis was on coaching. And um, during these times of change, this is the opportunity uh, for, for coaching and mentoring to really come to the fore uh, as we go through um, the, the kind of re-entry into well, it's not even a re-entry. It's an entry into a, to a whole new, no normal world. Um, and this is where, uh, you know, people consideration uh, is coming to the fore. Uh, and I, I, there are loads and loads of conversations I'm having at the moment with people about uh, how do we how do we emphasise our commitment to our people? How do we build trust? Uh, how do we build uh, a trust culture? Uh, how do we keep how do we keep take our people with us through through these changes um, and things that are happening and uh, so coaching it seems to me uh, is becoming quite a, a quite a lot noisier uh, than before um, and so I'm not even going to get the article out of my phone because I know that it's sort of roughly around that subject and i know we talked about it before i found but, it it was on the email rather than whatsapp i was thinking i can't find uh, it and i realized you sent it yeah there were there's there's a number of things in it mm. um and you know thoughts about um entry into the no normal world as i keep referring to it little tags but um you know if there was ever a time for an organization to you know seriously think about the value of generating a boatload of awareness uh, in their top teams, middle teams, anywhere in the organisation and encourage better choice making uh, throughout an organisation. Now is it. Now is the time. Don't you think? I, I do. I, I, I have a question. Um, and you, you would know this with your, you've mentioned yourself, your 150 years of, of life experience thus far. Yeah. Um, is it, and I know this is a close question, but I would hope you elaborate on it. Is it that businesses and leaders of businesses have become more aware of the importance of self-awareness than there was perhaps 15, 20 years ago. Where That's do you... a very, yeah, awareness of awareness. Mm. Do you think it's because we talk about it a lot? Well, um... I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's funny. You know, I, I, I've been, I've, I, I obviously work with a management team and some of these managers I've worked with for a, a number of years and I would say either collectively our experiences have made us more aware of the importance of self-awareness but it will come up in conversation a lot where you know if there's a performance issue or behavioral issue with someone that, that works for you that they ref- and, and when we're talking to clients you and I um, you know they'll talk about their lack of awareness their lack of self-awareness awareness of sales awareness of others and and whilst I'm paraphrasing using our choice of language that's a paraphrase but I would argue that certainly there was never that level of emotional intelligence consideration as part of a leader's toolkit 15 years ago. I think that's a really, really good point. Um, So if you've had a shock to the system, as I think we all have, and if you haven't, you know, perhaps you live (laughs) in a hole. Buckingham Um, Palace, maybe. They've got some very extensive grounds to be isolating in, haven't they? Well, um, that's a whole new ball game. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I think when you've had a shock to the system, you're going to think, I don't want 
that to take me by surprise again. I want to be prepared for that. I want to be aware uh, of how I react to this, how my friends react to it, how my family react to it, how this affects my business, my people. And it's a real jolt, isn't it? So that's that's a really good point. That's why people are talking about how how do we how do we prepare ourselves? How do we do this? Um, how do we how do we have conversations? How do I get my people to be more aware uh, and at the same time ready to take more risks? Mm. Because coming out of whatever stage we're in now, my goodness, there's a lot of organisations have got to be a hell of a lot sharper and a hell of a lot more competitive uh, to thrive over the next um, five to ten years. I would I would have thought. So that's that's why I thought you know that's a really good point actually about awareness of awareness uh, and you know being conscious of uh, getting teams ready uh, for more for greater awareness and it is a it is a thing that can be learned. Yeah, but I, I, your job is to raise awareness of the importance of awareness. <laughs> um, yeah, and I and I think you often see these internet memes as they're called, aren't they? You know, for a long time I thought they were called memes. <laughs> but anyway, um, but there's these memes now that, you know, talk about, um, you know, not under, not realising what is going on behind the eyes of someone else. Um, but but you've just stirred my imagination again, actually. You talked about this jolt to society um, yeah. as a result of what we all are coming to be aware of is COVID has certainly had an impact on us all, add in Brexit amongst other things. But you'll know that when we when I run the communication session that I run with you as part of our leadership programme, yeah. um, we talk about understanding your audience before you open your mouth and meaning coming from the receivers of your communication and them having to filter what you said through their value system. And in one of my set pieces, I talk about building this map of reality in your mind which is a culmination of all your experiences from birth to now and ultimately as you grow you meet friends you get involved in cultures um, religions politics um, experiences family all these things go into it which create this filter system for new information entering it and as you know I always used to get a bit of a right raised eyebrow when I kind of said by the time people reach the age of 35 they are relatively fixed in their value filter system. Um, but I would always counter that to say, unless there is a jolt to their world. Mm-hmm. So you and I would also, you know, and the example I used to give is um, a, a good friend of mine. Um, she used to work for me going back eight years ago now, and she lost her husband at the age of 29 with a one-year-old daughter at home. And she was a full-time housewife and had that, her values. And of course that moment was had to, she had to change everything and also her outlook on life. And you also have these, you know, cancer survivors who are saying, you know, I feel so much more, you know, alive than I've ever done before because I know how important each day is type of thing. And I wonder whether at the moment, to your point, this self-awareness um, is much more raised as a result of jolt to society, but there's so many people simultaneously been jolted that they're all re-evaluating the importance of work-life balance, for example, we're hearing all of this at the moment. So to your point, which leads back to, I guess, the theme for your style, which is raising better awareness for leaders is so important right now because if we cloud our judgment to think that it's still as it used to be, there is no new norm, as JB refers to, there is a no normal now. But what I'd certainly say is as a result of the no norm, um, if we aren't able to continuously understand ourselves what's changing in our people around us and also help them understand the importance of their own awareness of their own situation, then we're doing our people a disservice. That was a real ramble, sorry. No, no, it's actually on the money because it brings up the subject again, brilliantly, of of lifelong learning. And uh, for me, uh, it, it has been a continually no normal world throughout my life. And, you know, there are all sorts of reasons for that. And I now uh, trade on that experience of uh, having a pretty no normal existence uh, in my in my life. And I, I feel very lucky right now uh, to have had the experience of uh, 
complete lack of certainty in so many parts of my life for so long, I feel, and I, do, I don't want to come across as arrogant, but I feel ready uh, for a lot of the things that are hitting us right now and the changes that are coming. And, and, and that's why I was inspired to write the book because, you know, I think it's exciting to really understand uh, lifelong learning, but not just as a slogan, as a as a as a as a way of being, of thinking. You know, I I've never written or you know co-authored a book before. Well, why not? Let's let's give it a go. You know, if if we if it's not in the top one hundred of books uh, available on Amazon. Uh, then who cares? And actually, it is. Yeah. And our, our goal, now having established that, we're thinking, okay, well, you know, maybe we can get it up higher. You know, maybe we'll get it up to the top ten if we buy thousands of books. Um, but no, we would never do that. But um, so I, 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 so just kind of having that attitude. Everything is a learning experience, and I'm beginning to benefit personally from that idea. Well, it's only learning, you know, it's learning. So if it's, as long as no one dies in this making of my personal video, I'm actually quite relaxed about um, some fairly interesting experiences that might be detrimental to my wealth, uh, that might be a little bit risky, um, that take me well out of comfort zone. I'll give you an example, Ant. Okay. I've always had a little bit of a phobia about doing plumbing work in my house. I know it's a, it's a strange example. I won't do plumbing work in your house either, probably for fear of the uh, house falling down. Or I know. I'm, I'm a bit scared of of doing it. But I I had a conversation with myself a few days ago, and I just thought, what is this issue that you have with plumbing? You know, you're, you're pretty good with your hands. You're not stupid. Uh, you, you can do this. And it's only plumbing in a, uh, well, it's it's plumbing in a mixer sink, a mixer tap into, into the new sink in the kitchen. But it's got electrics connected to it. So when you touch the tap, it turns on. I know. Ooh. So it's it's this, it's this this authoring really is quite a lucrative business, isn't it, JB? <laughs> and it's got a it's got a pull out um, uh, nozzle thing that goes everywhere, and then it's got this weight at the back. The we're pull still, sucks it back up again. We're still talking about the mixer tap, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and anyway, so I looked at this. I opened up the box and just thought, oh God. <laughs> There was wires and pipes and nozzles and weights and all sorts of things. Anyway, um, this morning, Ant, I have started fitting this damn thing. In fact, I'd send you a picture of it. It's it, this this bloody tap uh, is the most exciting thing, and I think I'm going to crack this. I'm going to make it happen. And anyway, it's a, a funny little example of me feeling like, come on, if you if you if it if you can't do it, it doesn't. You'll learn that you can't do it. Mm. You know, you you would have given it your best shot, and then get someone who really does know what to do to pick up the pieces. It's fine, and I feel more liberated to do that now, and that from plumbing to writing a book to creating online courses building a shed, fitting an entire kitchen, um, you know, consulting, uh, writing content, running webinars, and I'm on fire. Oh, I, do, I, do, I, I don't know why I'm sharing all this, but I just feel that I, if, I, if I'm talking to our audience about, look, you know, you've got to have more of a growth mindset and, you know, it is about awareness generating. Well, awareness is about doing it. Awareness is about noticing more. A awareness is about thrusting yourself into uh, situations where you might have a controlled explosion. You might have a, you know, you might be putting yourself a little bit at risk, maybe sometimes, maybe just your reputation or your credibility a little bit. But who cares? You know, you'll come back fighting. You'll come back bouncing out of that. My involvement with you and your business—it's—it's it's a very—it's a very interesting, very exciting time. And 
I don't, I, I don't know. I don't want to set. I don't want to put this in the wrong way, but um, COVID uh, actually gave me a jolt. Uh, but 80 percent of that jolt has been a damn good thing. Mm. You know, I came out of Christmas actually really, really anxious and worried, and I think partly that was kind of family stuff and everything. But I, I now feel on the other side of that. Um, anyway, that's enough about me. I just wanted to, oh, I've, I've just got all of that out, like a great big, I've lanced a boil. That's a big poo. <laughs> um, and and I, if I'm not mistaken, and I may need to edit this out for saying it, but haven't you got an important date in June? The, my got... wife's birthday. Oh, my God, yeah. Um Yes, well, actually, I do. I, obviously, just in case my wife ever chooses to listen to these podcasts, I do love the hyacinths you bought, darling, really. <laughs> and um, secondly, it's my wife. She would be so excited for me to say that her birthday is on the 7th of June. I've remembered that. And on the 8th of June, mm. my second eldest, my beautiful, beautiful, lovely, gorgeous daughter, Olivia, is getting married to Davy. And it is the sweetest, most lovely, well, one of the most lovely things that's happening in my life again. Grandparent and um, uh, um, marrying one of them off is, yeah, yeah 2021 shaping out to be good. Author, grandparent, I mean, Shed, Shed was so last year, JB, if I'm honest, you know, this year, yeah. this year it's the kitchen, it's grandchildren, grandchildren, um, it's in-lawing, yeah. authoring, Non-executive directorships, boards, and, 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 to, and just... to think you were anxious at the beginning that you won't have much to do. <laughs> I know, I know. Isn't it crazy? Um, anyway, so we've talked a lot about um, the the meaning of um, awareness, and not just um, just the word awareness. Just sounds like, yeah, what's awareness? Well, awareness is is really noticing stuff and actually putting yourself out there and trying new things um, and get, committing to uh, lifelong learning and not allowing yourself to end up with a fixed mindset. I would like to put this out there without a huge amount of thought because I'm processing real time, if you will. Um, I am of the belief that um, some of the failed leaders that I've met in my time could be in a large part due to a lack of self and awareness and awareness of others. Yeah. 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 I, do you know, it is, it is extraordinary. And we, we would, we were talking about, um, you know, people who have a jolt and that can go both ways and can't it? Cause I, I'm often, it, I have in my head when I meet people, and it's a terrible thing to say, really. And it's not nasty. The intent is is not not horrid. But i i meet I meet people, and I'm thinking: Are is your is your learning up to date? Are you someone who's continually, perpetually learning, or did you stop learning at some point? And I'm I, it's just a little fascinating. I'm always curious because if you ask people lots of questions and you, there's gaps in their answers about where what they notice about other people you know if it's all about them and it's not about other other people and the situations that other people have in their lives and and even their own situation that they're not particularly aware of at some point in their life they stopped learning whether they're conscious of it uh, or not i don't know but then it encourages me to ask them more questions uh, about their life and their family and their setup and their work, and then often I can find where that block might be. Mm. I can I I can hear the block, um, and I don't you know don't ram anything down their throat or anything. But it's just interesting to me that people um, can at various points find get hit that jolt, hit that that roadblock, and stop learning. Uh, it's a traumatic. You know how many people, you know, coming out of COVID actually might have just gone into a a, a traumatized state and now can't learn anymore. 
you know their learning their learning capacity is diminished whereas others their learning is accelerated it's some in somehow this whole crisis has has de- developed this extra energy i think we've covered it on a previous podcast actually about this um there's a name for it it's like a post traumatic um benefit uh in a way which is probably the worst thing to say of all things but i'm in the mood today where i just if people say you can't say that i don't care i'm saying it it's what's in my head yeah um there is a post post traumatic dividend i think it might be called that and it sounds terrible but you go through a crisis and you learn that you can survive it you know bar everything that's gone wrong and so on and you think i i'm kind of i'm i've survived that and i've got the energy to experience things at a greater level i i can i can go into things thinking i'm i've survived that what else can i do or alternatively there are a myriad of other things that could you could feel like some of those things are about stopping learning because it's all too you don't want the awareness i i've had enough awareness thank you i don't want any more yeah hmm big topic i don't know whether we even have time to talk about the other topic now oh we do and because it's absolutely germane to this it's hugely important to talk about the topic that you were going to talk about. So the, the second topic I wanted to bring to the table today was um, as a result of, um, it, for, for those of you that are international to the UK, um, there is um, a growing challenge for the Scottish government in the United Kingdom um, in that there has been a new startup party um, for by the former leader of the current ruling party, if you will, of the Scot- Scottish Parliament. Um, Nicola Sturgeon is the current um, leader of the Scottish National Party and is currently the First Minister of Scotland. And I've always, by the way, I've never, I'm amazed this hasn't been brought up more in the media, but her husband's the CEO of that organisation, which I don't really think is a... There's a whole discussion there around that not necessarily being impartial. Mm. But anyway, we'll leave that one there for now. Um and then there is a guy that used to run the Scottish National Party called Alex Salmond, who has just recently finished a rather tricky period, <laughs> shall we say. You're telling um, me. In, in the, the courts, etc. And is now, um, after being cleared, um, I believe, um, of any wrongdoing, from what I understand, um, is well in a court yes but so, uh, in but a we, proper court yeah uh, so I guess we have to go with that however there are some other issues which are unresolved yes. uh, on a moral basis yes anyway um I'm being really careful about what we say for legal reasons <laughs> I know <laughs> um, me too <laughs> anyway um so long story short um this this uh, rival party has now been formed. And there has been a comment by the Alex Salmon guy that at some point they may consider working in coalition with the Scottish National Party in order to get um, Scotsick done or whatever you want to call it, Scotland's referendum. And ultimately, uh, and by the way, I would, God, it's going to sound a bit controversial. I, I think a bit like UKIP, I suspect if they get what they want, SNP and Alba would probably collapse pretty quickly because they're only really famous for driving independence and they kind of bury their day jobs under the mass noise of of independence um, and actually their record in government isn't particularly that great really um, anyway i digress the, the the point i'm trying to get at here is do coalitions in leadership work and what can we learn from that as people leaders um another example is from 2010 to 15 in the UK, we had um, a coalition government. Um, we had the Conservatives and Liberal Democrats um, in coalition. And arguably, when we look back at what's happened since 2015, when there was no longer a coalition, I think we kind of actually had a period of relative stability during that. And um, with the exception of Cameron granting the referendum, which is ultimately what probably then got him at the slight majority that he needed which has ultimately resulted in where we're at today with an awful lot of things, and JB's getting a little bit twitchy there. Um, <laughs> we, I, I guess I wanted to bring to the table, is coalitions in leadership good for business? Well, um, 
I have managed to give a little bit of thought to this. And did you know that the Green Party, um, the UK Green Party, is jointly managed? Yes. There are, there are two leaders, Jonathan Bartley and Sean Berry. Yep. And um, Although I, I've never seen the guy, I've never, seen, I've never seen the lady, I don't think. I've seen the guy, he tends to be more, he's more press. Uh, yeah, but I think she, I've seen her doing stuff on um, social media oh. and uh, actually I think she's pretty impressive. Um, I, 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 do you know, I'm turning and I'm moving from a position of, Nah, that would never work. You can't have two two managing directors. You can't have two CEOs. That's ridiculous. Uh, that would never work. Uh, I can't imagine that that could possibly um, function. But I'm shifting. I'm actually shifting. I, d I don't think I'm fully shifted, but I think there might be some benefits. Uh, because if you think about the model of the mother and father, and I'm not saying that we need paternal, maternal uh, attributes going on inside an organisation, I think that could be potentially unhelpful. But the point I want to make is that in a uh, strong family, uh, a family that runs openly and honestly and uh, where the opportunity for both the mother and the father to contribute uh, all their brilliance and, uh, you know, organisational flair and, uh, you know, treatment of, of people, uh, values, uh, and, they, and they're, they're both doing it with all their strengths. Um, so when you've got two people running an organization, uh, you're gonna you're gonna get uh, if you've got good yin and yang, if you've got good good strengths that are brought to the to the front, to the forefront from both parties and everyone understands how it works, where one party might be making decisions about one sort of thing um, and the others making decisions about another I'm open to the idea of that being possible and working well in an organization I, I, I now I cover cover that with caveats I've never seen it uh, in existence I've I've seen quasi joint leadership in organizations uh, where ultimately one of those people was in charge, uh, regardless of title or whatever else. They just had that bearing uh, and reputation that it was always one who made the ultimate decision. So I always wondered, uh, and I'd, I've experienced it myself with two CEOs of an organisation where there had been a merger and it was it was messy. So I, I have to I have to kind of change my my experience and thinking to to uh, enable that shift in my own thinking. I'm not quite there yet, as I say. Uh, I do have issues about how people, senior leadership teams, then kind of function underneath that. I think that there's some messiness. Uh, but then on the other hand, life is messy. Mm. And, you know, maybe maybe that then gives those senior leaders and managers more responsibility, pick up the pace, uh, because, uh, you know, this isn't allowing for one, one leader, one CEO uh, to make all the decisions as a default. You know, this has this it's inevitably going to make for more democratic cultures, I think. Um, and I think that's quite an interesting area for discussion. It, it links a little bit into what you and I spoke about, though. Yeah. Um, in a previous episode around autocratic yeah. and, and democratic. Um, and 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 the beauty is, I think, if we use the, I'm not going to use the the Scotland situation because I think it's just <laughs> it's too current for a start. Um, and. Um, 
I'm not sure history will be kind to either of them. I suspect. I heard I heard Alex Salmon on the radio this morning, and I have to tell you, I uh, have been an enormous fan of Alex Salmon in the past, and I I felt that I still feel that he is one of the greatest uh, political manoeuvrers and shakerers. Uh, I think he is a brilliant communicator. I think he's highly intelligent. There's a but coming, isn't there? Um, but uh, I I cannot accept uh, what has happened. Uh, I feel incredibly uncomfortable. And when I heard him come on the radio this morning, I, I had difficulty drinking my tea. That's all I'm going to say. So the interesting thing is, so if we look at the Greens... Yeah. Um, and the Scottish National Party and Nigel Farage, um, they all have something in common, which is they have a single message, vision. They try and talk about their wider narrative, but ultimately their campaign is built around a single mission. And the Green Party, I would presume, is all about, you know, the environment. Um, and, um, and, Scotland, it's all about the independence with, you know, I'm sorry, that's what I believe them to be, that, you know, uh, Farage, same thing, Brexit, um, hence why he's kind of disappeared into into obsolescence since. And I I hate to say it, I think um, they're well-versed in communicating a vision, um, but actually the day job is a very different thing. Um, And... You could argue that Nick Clegg's downfall potentially was that um, that they had campaigned previously on thinking they were never going to get into government with something, and then they get what they wanted, this power, and then oh my god, now, what have we done? Yeah, and now they can't deliver on it. And actually, the the thing they pledged, which I think was university fees being zero, and they then got punished at the ballot box if you believe what to be read in the press to suggest that that's what was the single thing that did them over. And I don't think it was, to be honest, but let's let's pretend it is for a second. And um, I think in coalitions, there can be winners and losers. And, you know, Cameron came off pretty well from it and grew, despite the fact that arguably, um, if we believe the media, which I'm not sure I do again, but still, let's play this story out, that actually Cameron's success was down to the moderation of Clegg's party. You know, they were the gentler side of the conservatives, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So for me, coalitions, I guess, can work. But both parts of the coalition needs to have the awareness of the risks that it's going to have on them in that coalition. Because if you are the heart and someone else is the brain, you're going to seem less, you're going to be a bit more heartless being in coalition with that heartless person. And sometimes if you know, businesses need an autocrat to make the tough decisions and then the, the nice person comes and tries to sweep up afterwards, it, it's tricky. Um, and I think there is a risk of shared reputation here as well. Um, so I thought it was worth bringing up because it's, it, it, it's something I suspect that may become more commonplace. You know, you have dual reporting. Um, but yeah. often the dual reporting doesn't necessarily mean that they are both visionaries. It just basically means that they each have accountabilities, which you might be responsible to those people for. Um, but obviously, when you are a leader at the top, where lots of people may report into both of you, and the same, you know, the same twenty people report into these two people, um, how do you govern? How do you lead? How do you motivate? How do you prevent, um, you know, one by the mum and dad effect? And we know how parenting well, that's, can... that's the downside, playing one off against the other. Mm. I get um, that. So I, I just thought it was worth bringing to the, to the front of mind. I, th- I think we can, be, we can be honest, Ant, and say that we're not quite on side with that as an idea yet. No. But we're not close to it. No. Um, because it's actually got some potential value, but... There's no, we haven't got any great evidence. There's no huge evidence yet uh, that one party doesn't get screwed over by the other. I've got a great example, which is relevant <laughs> to you and I. Um, I'm going to mention the name and immediately you'll know what I'm going to talk about here. GCAP Media PLC. Oh, hello. Yes. The merger of GWR Group. Yeah. Ralph Bernard 
and yeah. Capital Radio Group, David, Messi. David, whatever his name was. Yeah. Uh, and they were, I think, co-CEOs. I think actually Ralph had the CEO title and David was the chairman, if I'm not mistaken, on May the 5th, I think it was, 2005. And within 12 months, David had gone. Um, and it was a merger. You know, it wasn't one acquiring the other. It was a merger of equals, as I think it was talked about at the time. Um, and another company I worked for, um, which I'm going to be very careful of because they are a client now, you know, that those two companies, they, those two companies came together and merged in that organization. Um, and it isn't always the bigger company of the merger that ends up being the, the CEO of the, the newly merged company that isn't all depending on who completes the merger and the transaction, um, what, what the intention is for that. So, um, it's it's a bigger topic, isn't it? Really? Um, yeah. So if yeah. if you're listening, um, David, Ralph. whatever you, Ralph and and um, David, Alex Salmon, David and or, yeah, Nicholas, Sturgeon. David Mansfield, Mansfield, David Mansfield. Oh my God! Uh, well, he was quite an interesting character, that's for sure. Um, but anyway, we're probably going to get sued now. I don't. Uh, we didn't do anything libelous. Um, but then I guess if you think about accountancy firms, a lot of them are partners. You know, your partners and things. And and I'm trying to again flip it now. You know, it, it's quite lonely at the top. And sometimes you, I would say that I try and treat my direct managers as business partners. We are making this as a decision as a collective. But ultimately, the person that then has to communicate it, I think, does probably need to be the 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 one person for that consistency unless there is such a unity between you and the other person and you are completely trusting in the other person that you're not going to kind of clash or create that separation it's not without its risks but to your point jb um i am of the mind that um yeah we're not close to it but i'm i i'm not sure there is a leadership book written about it yet. Mr. Bradley is your second book potentially is looming yeah. in your mind. Yeah. Well, history history doesn't sh demonstrate uh, joint leadership uh, that well. From, from I, I, you know, maybe I need to to read up on that a little bit more. But my my gut feeling is that it it is it, it it's a it's it's an interesting one, and it it, it might it might become more interesting. Uh, there are lots of things that, you know, technology, flexible working, um, might might open up possibilities in that regard. So I'm certainly not close to it. Yeah. Um, and there we go. There are the two subjects for the day. Um, we can either um, have a rare one where actually we do this well within time for a change and end it there, oh or, we, or, or we could have our listener question. Well... Why don't we save the listener question to another day? You know why, don't you? Because JB is thinking extensively about his tap with weights. <laughs> Do you know, I actually really am. I'm quite excited. I, I'm, I'm, I've got this, I want to prove it to myself. I want water to come out of that tap. With it, it, with it swizzling with it, around? <laughs> without it going all over the floor. Fair enough. Anything nice planned for the Easter weekend? Um, yes, this is our special Easter weekend show, isn't it? It is. Um, that we forgot to mention. So happy Easter to all you bunnies out there. Um, hope you have a good one. I uh, have not much going on. I, I promised my wife that I would do work on the kitchen uh, today and tomorrow. Uh, well, she didn't want me to at all, by the way. So it's me saying, I've got to get this done. I've got to get it done. Um, and so that means Saturday, Sunday is full on Easter weekend. We'll have a roast on Sunday. Uh, we'll do dog walking and anything else that we possibly can to make it feel more like a weekend of the past, hmm. like going to the pub that we can't go to. We'll yeah. probably get a little, our special, we've got a special little bag. Uh, it's a free, it's a little freezer bag. Have I told you about this before? It's just the bag you can take to the beach. It's a super thing. And you stick your bottle of wine in it and it keeps it cold. Um, and it's got a little nozzle thing that comes out the side and you just go and out comes your cold wine. This has been very useful 
uh, at various meetings that we've had to attend uh, to do with Ramsgate society and shit. And so we just quietly uh, drink wine when everyone else is drinking really boring water and stuff. Uh, anyway, so we'll probably get the bag out, uh, do a bit of um, going off and doing stuff with that. And then Monday, I am seeing all... Well, I'm seeing two of my children. Tuesday, I'm seeing the other child. And sometime in the week, I'm seeing the other one. Which uh, I'm having a bit of a week off. Nice. Yeah, we're not yeah. together again now, I think, for 10 days. No, we're having an Easter break. Um, what so are we going to... How? Well, I miss you. Yeah, there's no pod next week. Is, is there a pod next week? I don't think there is. No. I think we I think we've knocked it out because it's we're having an Easter a little Easter break. Nice. To rest our rest our our, our brains. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, you can submit questions uh, globalleadershippodcast@gmail.com. Um you can be in the live audience. You can go on to seedle.com, search podcast, look for the global leadership one and you can enroll to be in the audience. It's free. You can sign up for free. It's all free to join Seedle for that particular product as well. Hold hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Mm-hmm. We don't know what you're doing. What are you doing this weekend? Um, what are we doing this weekend? My wife is still isolating uh, due to oh, yes. uh, her work bubble. She works in the school. Yep. And unfortunately, someone in her bubble um, came down with COVID. So they're not having to isolate. But she's been tested since and she's clear. But we still have to isolate. Well, she has to isolate anyway. So I'm taking the kids to her mother's um, to just because they've not seen her since, them since Christmas. So we're going to go in Gosh. their back garden. Because, of course, when we're allowed out, the temperature drops to minus 27 again, I think uh. it is. So um, we're just, so I'm going to do that. Um, That's nice. Going to do a bit of DIY, I suspect. Um, and we're no doubt going to have an Easter egg hunt, as you do um, on Easter Sunday in the That's UK. That's good. Hmm. That's, yes. a, that's a nice family weekend. Yes. And then, of course, back to the chaos next week. So Yeah. Yeah. But that's me. Anyway, yeah. So send in your questions. Um, be in the live audience. Um, and um, as ever, um, go forth, prosper, smell of wine and um, plants in your shed, Mr. Bradley. Thank you very, very much. Um, I've been Anthony Price. And I've been Jonathan Bradley. And we've been talking about the meaning of being immune. Goodbye. As much as anything else. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>